0: Genesis chapter 11, we'll start in verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as many people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top top in the heavens, Confuse their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just ask now as we come before Your Word that You would. Uh, God, just guard my words, Lord, help us to not be people who think that we have all the answers, um, but Lord, I just pray that we be reliant and trust that your word is sufficient. And so I pray, Lord, that your spirit would come upon these students now and encourage them to see Christ. Praise in his name. Amen. Um, so uh, the story of Tower Babel is pretty short. It's only, as you saw there... Um, Uh, A couple of of verses, really. um, A nine in all. And when when I think of this story, um, as funny as it is, I kind of think about learning to ride a bike. Um, I don't know if you're a big bike rider, but um, we all typically start off um, riding a bike with what? Training wheels, wheels, right? Um, Now, some of you be like, uh, I didn't need training wheels, you know? Um, Maybe that's because you... Uh, rode a bike later in life. But anyways, um, all things being fair, I guess. Um, I remember I moved to this city called Tehachapi, California, and we had a lot of fields, a lot of areas to ride a bike safely. And I was in kindergarten, and my older brother didn't need training wheels, but I did. And it just ate at me so much, right? And then I, I finally I just kept asking, I kept asking, I kept asking dad teach me how to ride my bike dad teach me and so so we we would go on the lawn so that when i'd fall i'm not falling on asphalt and and my dad would kind of have my older brother do it and see what david is doing and and my dad would kind of show me and i would like i never get enough speed i'm just like you know falling over and um eventually i learned how to ride a bike and I remember feeling like so free that I can go all the way down the street by myself and I can come back as fast as I want. And it's all about me. I don't, I don't need help. Mom and dad aren't there anymore. I can ride my bike down to the lake and it's, it's awesome, right? And, and, I, and the reason why I think of that story is because there's a sense in which all of us when we're growing up, we become more and more independence. When you are a little baby, you, you literally, you're, you're helpless. But as you begin to crawl and as you begin to walk, you know, there are more and more things that you're able to do. You know, right now um, in our family, we have um, our daughter Millie. She's, I don't even know, she'll be two in January. And so she walks, she has phrases, no, mine, up, milk, you know, all, all those things. But one thing that's really helpful that she does is that when she needs a diaper to be changed, she goes to the drawer, pulls out a diaper, grabs the wipes, and brings it to you. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you how much of a game changer that is when you have kids. You have no idea, right? Because like, oh, man, you need to be changed. All right, don't move. And you're you know, going through the house, and you have to grab it, and then you're trying to get them to come back, and you're you know, putting your arm down on them so they won't move, and you're changing their diaper. But, like, she has finally gotten old enough to where she, we just tell her, hey, go get a diaper and, and sometimes, like, downstairs we won't have any, and then she'll walk up to her room, and she'll get a diaper, and she comes back. It's beautiful. Anyways, one day, <laughs> one day you might know what I'm talking about here. But as we grow up, we, we have this thing where, I don't know about you, but um, y- your parents are teaching you something, and you have this instinct of, like, you kind of, like, do one of these things where they're, they're like, over you, and they're like, you know, your dad is maybe like moving your hands and your arms, and your body's the robot. And, and you're kind of like, let me try. And what do we say? Let me do it by myself. I don't, I don't need you, right? And when we grow up learning to do more and more things by ourselves, right? A lot of you uh, probably learned to drive in the last couple of years of your life. Some of you are learning, some of you are about to learn, right? Uh, Cameron, you get those night hours in yet? You did? I have an hour left. An hour left of night driving, then Cameron will get his license, I right? Friend. Oh, just regular driving. Okay, you got the night hours in. Yeah, so, but when we're driving, we, we have to have our legal guardian there. They have to make sure that we're not gonna, you know, hit a pedestrian or, you know, run into someone's mailbox, right? And eventually, what are we really wanting? I want my license so that I can drive by myself you know, I don't know about you you know those first couple of weeks when you have your license and you're by yourself in your car and you just crank those tunes and like you don't care who's watching you're just singing right and it's just you feel so free like where I lived growing up there was like no one around and and I had a stick shift and I was just I was on top of the world I, I can go anywhere All of these things that I say are good and they're fine. And I don't even mean to bring them in as a sense of negativity, but just a sense of like, naturally, that's what happens when you grow up. That you learn more and more to say, hey, let me do this on my own. Don't you hate the person who's trying to teach you and they're kind of more so just doing it and they just tell you to watch it and you're like, no, no, let me try. Let me do it on my own. I would say this, though. Try to take that example and apply it spiritually. And it gets you into a world of hurt and disaster. And it's exactly the picture we see of the people of Babylon. Um, What they are guilty of is a type of spiritual pride in which they look at God's command and his providence and his care, and they say this to God, in essence. We don't want you. We don't care. I can do it on my own. Just like my kids tell me. Dad, don't help me. I can do it all on my own. Dad, Dad, I don't, I don't need help on my bunk bed. I, I can do it all on my own. Like, okay, you can climb up the bunk bed by yourself, right? Like, no, 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 Dad, Dad, don't do this for me, right? that is exactly the sin that is being expressed by the Tower of Babel. What I'd like to do for us Um, in just a couple of minutes here, is I want to divide our section into two main sections. If you notice verses 1 through 4, we're all about what the people are doing, what the people are saying to each other, right? They come and say, come, let us build, come, let us do this. And verses 5 through 9 are all about what the Lord does. And so it kind of provides for us a really easy break in the section. So verses 1 through 4, what I want to show is man's efforts... In verses 5 through 9, I want to show us God's efforts. So we'll begin by looking at man's efforts. So look down with me again at verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. See, I don't know about you, but when I read that, it reminds me of when like, I was learning Spanish in high school, and I just wished deep down in my heart, why doesn't everyone just learn English? Like, can we just call it what it is, right? Most people know that English is probably like, you know, the most common language or sort of seems or, you know, it seems to be like the language that people want to learn the most. Like, and then we don't even have to have Spanish class or French class anymore, right? And a very arrogant, ignorant, white kid thing to say, right? Um, I just, just learn English, don't you know? And I think at one point, I used to be one of those very important people who... Uh, growing up in California, if I heard someone speaking in Spanish, um, I'd say, hey, it's America. We speak English here, right? I don't think I'd say it to their face, but like, I'd probably say it to my friends, right? Like, hey, if you're going to come to our country, at least learn our language, right? And, and there's a sense in which you think for a second how nice it would be if everyone did speak the same language. Like when we take mission trips to Mexico, wouldn't it be great just to have a normal conversation with these people that we're helping and serving compared to... Uh, yo quiero tacos? <laughs> like, like, you sound like a two year old kid. Like, you kind of like tacos or something, you know? But you, you read this verse, the whole earth had one language in the same way. And it makes sense, right? Why would there be different languages? Adam and Eve, they, they, they had their language. I would, I would argue, probably Hebrew. No one really knows. And it began to spread. But we have something interesting happen. Verse 2, And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Now, really quick, Shinar, it comes up later in the Bible. And it is actually when the Israelites get taken into exile, they're taken into the land of Shinar, also known as what? Babylon. And so the, the, the region of Babel is actually... Babel, And so, kind of when you're reading the book of Daniel, you kind of get this imagery. This city was known for self-sufficiency and pride. All right, so let's get into what they were kind of doing, and what they were saying. Verse three, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they used bitumen for mortar. Verse four, they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Let sweet be dispersed over the whole face of the earth. And let me just, what I'd like to do is, I would like to just summarize the main sin of their efforts and then show three ways of how that sin showed itself. And let me just tell you, they mirror our hearts. The main sin of their efforts is that they are being condemned for their pride. What is pride? Pride is the exact same sin of when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden. And it is in essence the sin of saying, I don't need God. I don't care about his commands. I know better. I really love the Bible project. and They they summarize it well. In essence, all of the sin is what? Defining what good and evil is for yourself. See, what, what's so wrong about this, though? Okay, they want to make a city, and they, they, they kind of want to, like, they found some good technology, and they're, they're starting to kind of make civilization. Why is that so bad? Well, do you remember twice now in Genesis, God gives a special command to Adam and Eve, and then to Noah. And what was that command? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So they're told, God tells humans, go over all of the earth that I've made. Take it, make it beautiful, create work. Take those trees and make something awesome out of it. But what do these people do? No, we're not going to fill the earth. We're way stronger when we're together. And more than that, we're going to build something awesome to show that we really are capable of doing anything that we set our mind to. And so there's three things that are being condemned here. First is this, the sin of self-reliance. The sin of self-reliance. It says that they said to each other, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. I remember it was at my grandma's house when I was a little kid, and she put on some movie. I almost, like, it honestly could have been black and white. And then it shows these people making some huge building, and some guy gets an arrow, or bone arrow, and he walks up all these stairs, and there's all these people, and he, and he gets to the very top of this huge thing, and I'm watching this like a six-year-old, and he gets his arrow, and he pulls it back, and he shoots it up. Nothing happens. He gets another arrow. He, he lets it fly. He goes, it, it goes so high up. It goes past the clouds. You can't even see it anymore. And the next thing you know is you hear a few screams. You, you hear a few rustlings. And, and, and this, this man who shoots the arrow turns around. And the guy who's just helping him is speaking a different language. And this man then looks around and he sees everyone is speaking a different language. It was a very poor attempt to try to put into picture what is happening here but for some reason the imagery has has stood but the in essence kind of what, what what is happening here is not so much that they're just building great architecture that they just made a really cool building i mean i lived in chicago for a number of years and they have a lot of really really big buildings which i'm sure were a lot bigger than even this little tower of babel but what really is the sin The sin of self-reliance says, God, I know you're there, and I know you love me, and God, I know that you created everything and that that you're really big and that you're really powerful, but I'd still just rather do things my way. The sin of self-reliance rejects God's commands It rejects God's wisdom. And like a two-year-old telling their parents that they know better, self-reliance is just a huge form of pride. How does self-reliance show itself in the Christian faith? Take, for example, a monk. You guys know what a monk is? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some monks are okay, and I don't want to just in the monastic order, but but for a long time, monks believed that if they go into seclusion into the in the middle of the wilderness and they live this just very um, set apart life and they and they devote them, their time to prayer and reading the scriptures and and, and 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 purifying themselves of all impurities and impure thoughts, that God would be pleased with them. But do you know why that's so wrong? It's because in essence, they're saying, by my efforts, by me relying on self and self-reliance, God will be pleased with me. And can I just tell you something? For most monks, God is actually more offended because they thought that they can earn God's approval instead of embracing His Son. You see, all of us at times, we ignore God. We think, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think, can I I be honest with you guys for a second? I mean, out of love for all of you, it is really, really easy, I would say one, as a teenager, two, in the society we live in, to base our decisions, to base what is good and what is evil on simply what we feel. Well, I feel this way. It must be right. Well, this is the kind of thing that that is really heavy, and I think about it a lot, and and this must be the thing that I want to do for my life. And let me tell you, when you base what is right and wrong on how you feel, you're, in essence, doing what these people do. Relying on yourself. But the second sin is that they were living for their own praise, right? Look down with me. In verse 4, it says... And let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. Sometimes I hear people uh, talk about leaving a legacy. Right? I don't, I don't know as the average 15 or 16 year old you're thinking about leave, leaving a legacy. But recently I've been, I was talking to Tara earlier about this, I was really sick this week, like, dumb sick, and uh, I just was confined to the bed and, um, you know, tried to read, but just my mind couldn't even hold any attention, and, and so um, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to binge watch a show. I'm going to do it, right? Um, nothing else to do, and he so, you nodding your head in disapproval at me already, you know uh-huh. <laughs> That's rich. That's rich. Um, he's just, he knows what I'm going to say, but anyways... Um, and so I tried... I was like, I, I don't want to watch something dumb, though. I want to watch something wholesome. I hear a lot about Downton Abbey. That it's a good, wholesome show. And I, and I turned it on. And I was like, this crap is garbage. Like, ten minutes in. Like, this is so boring. Threw that out the window. My wife is like... I, I hear some things about a show called Poldark. And it's also kind of like this British uh, show... Um, and it takes place in the 18th century, and this guy comes back to the Revolutionary War. And I love it. it 's a great show, but I, I say all that because um, he has this name, and, and they're kind of this guy, Ross Polark, is part of the elitist society in England. And what 's so fascinating is that all these rich people, they care so much about their name that you would disgrace my family's name if you say something against their family's name, like, let's go outside right now. And when they say, let's go outside right now, do you know what they mean? We're going to take out our pistols and duel and shoot at each other. And I'm going to try to kill it. And that happens. I'm like, holy crap, dude. Like, let someone give you a... You know, if they want to shoot you over a little insult, let it, just let it slide, dude. Like, it ain't worth it, right? But back then, it was so important to them. Why? Because they lived for their own praise. One more illustration about this point. Um, I have a friend who has a pretty successful career. He went to Bible college with me, so let me kind of typically tell you that the two and two don't usually correspond. Okay. <laughs> Just Bible college is great. Study the Bible. I I, I would I wouldn't trade it for a million things in the world. Okay. Um, but you typically aren't going to have a, a lucrative career. But my friend does. He, he really, really does. Um, and I remember him telling me, you know, I just got this really good promotion, Aaron. And, and although I'm thankful, I'm just not really sure what I should be thankful for to God. Because like, to be honest with you, I'm the one who worked really hard. I'm the one who made the connections. Like, Do I thank God for my, the personality he gave me? like but, but really, like I, I'm the one who really kind of got the promotion, it seems like, and um you know, sometimes with conversations with friends, you don't really just have the heart to to just point out the huge pride and arrogance in, in their statements, and you say, well, maybe, you know, yeah, maybe you thank God for that um and 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 I love this friend, and I think he was actually asking a genuine question but 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 when I think that that, that is like the heart behind a lot of people. That in essence, I live for the praise of self. I, I, even today, I preach in church and there's a temptation of, hey, how did I do? How did I do? There's temptation when you go to school to get good grades and, and to like people thinking of you a certain way, to be good at sports or, or how you look or any talent you have or, or, or money or associations you have. You, you like the praise of self. But this is exactly what God is judging the people of Babel for, living for their own praise and not for the praise of God, of which he has created us for. But lastly, and quickly, I would say, they're being condemned, their pride is being condemned because they disobeyed God's command. And I mentioned this earlier. God told them to fill the earth. And what are they doing? Bringing a whole world to one city. Let me tell you guys something. Listen. Every single time you sin, what you are saying is God, I know better than you. It is pride. It is thinking that you have the right to make decisions for your own life. And the Bible condemns it through and through. From Genesis to Revelation, spiritual pride is wrong and it's sick and it's sin. And how many of us, every single day, rely on ourselves, live for our praise, and disobey God's commands? But this is contrasted by the efforts of God. And this is the, the part where I kind of like, verse 5, look down with, it, look with me. He says, And the Lord came down to see the city. So, so God is actually going to judge man for their efforts here, for their self-reliance, for their living, for their own praise, for their disobeying God's command to fill the earth, and so in essence, what, what's so kind of ironic? There's a lot of irony in this story, is they want to build a tower all the way to the heavens, right? They're gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna make the biggest tower possible, and what does this say that God has to do? God has to come down, and essence, God is so high, He is so big. It says the picture of like God's like sitting on His recliner, and He's like oh, the humans are doing something? Let me, let me try to stoop down here. I have to come all the way down to see what they're doing. In essence, God is mocking them. Oh, I'm making a little tower. Tell, tell me more about... I think I can see it. Oh. In essence, when, when, when God... I, I would love to maybe tell my friend this, but probably not. Um, like, you know, what do I really thank God for like in my promotion God's like, "Uh-huh, tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, you think you're just really awesome and smart and pretty and you have every tell me tell me more about that." Yeah. God in his judgment, can I tell you, mocks our self-reliance. He he calls them the children of man I don't know if you remember, in Hebrew, what is the Hebrew word for man? I don't remember. The Bible Project said it too. What? Adam. 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 So literally, what, what it's saying there, the children of Adam. The children of Adam continue to sin over and over and over and over again. And the first thing that God does in his efforts is what? He mocks their efforts. He comes down from heaven the transcendence of God, he's he's not impressed. Let me just tell you something. There is nothing that we can do on our own efforts that would ever make God impressed. Never. But second thing, what does God do? And this is where we get a little, um, some interesting things here. Verse eight. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. So first thing that God does is not even just spreads the languages. He makes them obey his command to fill the earth. He literally begins to say, no, 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 no. We're not just going to hang out here in Mesopotamia and Babylon. We're we're, we're going everywhere here, people, because there's some trees and some beautiful food over here in West Asia, and there's some awesome food in the Mediterranean. Uh, and, And don't even get me started with with Africa, and don't even get me started with South America. And one day, and even though there's people before the Puritans come, um, America and Canada and, and all of these places, right? God, God says, fill the earth. And so one of the ways God judges Babel is by making different nations. Let me tell you something. It is good that there are different countries it is a bad thing to think about one global government. Matter of fact, the Bible in Revelation talks about one day there will be one global government, and it will actually be bad. And so God creates different nations. God creates different people groups. God wants different races of people. God wants different cultures. God wants different people who like different music and they like different entertainment, right? Have you ever like just tried to watch the Spanish channel? Have you ever like watched TV in a different country and you're just like, they like this stuff? Like, especially like in, in Asia, the, the TV shows, reality TV shows, I'm like, I'm like, they like this stuff? But do you want to know what's funny? They probably look at the stuff I watch and they say like, they like this stuff? Some of it. I do hear American entertainment. is pretty good. (laughs) But God, in his judgment, makes them disperse. He makes different nations. But third, the third thing of God's efforts, what does he do? Verse 9. Therefore, his name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. He confuses their languages. He confuses their languages, and so now I—you can't even begin to count how many different types of languages there are in the world. Um, now you, you could probably try to count the major ones, and but with all the different dialects, there's just so many different ways to communicate. And I, I think it's interesting too. You have like the Romance languages. You have like all the guttural kind of uh, languages. You have, you know, English-derived languages and Latin. You know, you have so many different languages. And here's the thing, though. Here's what what I want to say about God's efforts. All of God's efforts and his judgment actually begin to be blessings for us. And actually, can I say this? Begin to be ways in which God shows his glory. By God mocking their efforts, you know what God is doing? He's actually reminding them to live a life of dependence on God. You see, by God dispersing them all over the, the earth, do you know what God's doing by, by setting up nations? One day when Jesus would come, he would not just be the God of the Jews, but he would be the God of the Gentiles and the Jews. And he would be telling us to do what? To go into all nations. Jesus is Lord over everything, every single nation. And more than that, Jesus transcends into every single language. Every single person on earth has the opportunity to come underneath the lordship of Jesus. So, so, so in essence, all of the story of Babel shows us this one big picture about all of humanity that we desire to define right and wrong for ourselves. We live in self-reliance. We live for our own praise. We disobey God's commands. But God in his judgment, do you know what he's doing? He's actually paving the way for the one person who can actually solve the problem. Let me I'm almost done here, but just track with me. This is probably the most important part of the message. Look down with me in verse four. They then said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the what? In the heavens. You guys listen. Everyone. Everyone listen. It is in the heart of man to earn your way to heaven. It is in every single man's heart to just try to build their own way to reach heaven. But let me tell you something. The whole storyline of the Bible is this. You cannot reach. More than that, you need a rescuer. You need someone to actually bring heaven down to you. And so, every single one of us at times, we live a self reliant life. We think that by being a good religious person, we think sometimes by doing things based on what we feel, by living a life in which we oftentimes abandon God's commands and we live for our own praise and by living self-reliant lives, that we can save ourselves. Let me just say this. Self-salvation doesn't exist. You see, all, all all of the words associated with man are this. Work, toil, earn, achieve, death. And all the words associated in Christ, the one who would bring heaven down to us, are this Rest. It is finished. I have done it for you. You see, the story of the Tower of the Bible tells us really a story of the gospel that you cannot earn your way to God. Only through Christ, only through what Jesus has done. The reformers, those, those, those dead dudes, 500 years ago we talk about, here's what they said. This is the whole mantra of everything that they talked about. They said, you are only saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. Why? To the glory of God alone. You see, you reverse that order. But when you take that away, when you say, no, I'm going to earn my own way for my own glory. Now I'm going to rely on my own self. It's exactly what the Tower of Babel did. and It's exactly what all religion does. But in Christ, what do we believe? That we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. So that God will get the glory. Man's efforts are always pride. But God's efforts are always redeeming saving, taking us back. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the power of your word. And we ask, God, that you would continue to um, show us more and more of how we are to trust in Christ and not in ourselves, that we are to never trust in our own efforts for salvation. And so, Lord, I pray at times when we look to our achievements, when we look to our our skills, our hobbies, our money, our relationships to, to justify ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would just repent. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to see Jesus, to see how he is the one who brought heaven down to us. God, I pray that you would stop our, our trying to earn, stop our self-reliance, and help us to see Jesus who is calling all people, nations, tribes, and tongues to himself. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you've forgiven us our sins, and that your grace is sufficient. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.